0: yo guys welcome back to another episode of my podcast unashamed as you can see from the backdrop we've gone back to the youtube theme nk's not with me anymore because he's gone home for summer and i'm holding it down by myself as you can see there's no guests as well why are there no guests because i feel like i need to give the people a bit of me man you know i've i've honestly missed you guys starting my youtube channel what 2017 now we're six years on I've not given you enough authentic, organic, real, raw truths, just me, myself and I. Obviously, people subscribe to my channel for different reasons, some for encouragement, some from Nella Rose, some because they like the vibe, some because they want to hear me. But I feel like the mo- the majority of you, you actually want to hear from me personally. It's not about who I've got on or what's going on. So today I'm here to share my truth, share love with you guys and most importantly, answer some of your questions. So today's episode of the Unashamed podcast is a quick fire Q&A. So the first question That i've got here today is what advice would you give to christians who are starting first year of uni this year you know i'll probably remix that question for you and i will change the question that not what advice would i give to christians what advice would i give to anybody starting university because when i went to uni i wasn't a christian when i went to uni i was just a young 18 year old boy from ends i mean i was a nobody i mean i still am a nobody in my own eyes but to the world, I was a nobody then. I didn't have a YouTube channel. I wasn't famous on my friend's channel. I didn't have a degree. I wasn't even saved. I was just a young black boy coming from ends, which is the state of the majority of people. I mean, now, eight years on, by the grace of God, my life has changed. God has given me a nice platform, a lot of followers. I mean, Leicester really changed my life academically. I'm on my fourth degree now and, you know, things are really looking up. But back then, I didn't know anything about God. I didn't know anything about salvation. I didn't even know why I was even in uni. I just wanted to get away from home. So I would tailor the question more to people generally than even Christians. And the first thing I would say in relation to you starting university is don't get lost in the crowd, Yeah, that's the first thing I'll say. Don't get lost in the crowd. You know, I remember I came to uni with a couple of people from ENDS and I'm not even going to mention their names because it's Flames. But there was a group of friends that I came with and I remember the first motive or the first rave that we had at uni. It was at this place in Leicester. Bruv, this place was like a sweat box. The club was, um, oh God, help me remember... I think it was Mosh or something like that. It's near the coach station in Leicester. If you know about it, you know about it. And this was one of the freshest events, like the first events in uni, like first couple of days. I remember coming in with this group of friends and the motive was jumping. Everybody was gassed. People were waved, drinking. I mean, Leicester 2015, if you were there, then you know what I'm talking about. But I remember specifically, This group of people who were good people from home, I mean, well-behaved, well-mannered, respected, I mean, their parents will beat them (laughs) if they don't get certain grades in school. I remember them getting into a little altercation and I thought to myself that this is out of character. Why are these guys getting so carried away? Why are these guys pushing, fighting, shoving like, yo, we just came here for a good time, you know, be yourself And when I started to look at the individuals involved, I realized that, hold on, there's some external influence that's affecting the people that I know. They're being affected by the crowd. They're being affected by people who they've just met two days ago, three days ago. They don't even know like that. And those people, I mean, they're really about it. They've come from certain areas that we haven't come from. And now the man have come uni, got lost in the crowd, got lost in the source. And it's ended up being beef at the first motive. So second to that, what happened was after the fight and all the incident happened in the party, the people who was affecting my guys, they didn't let it stop there. (laughs) I mean, one thing you have to understand about being in uni is that you are meeting complete strangers. Not everybody thinks like you, not everybody reasons like you. For some people, you have a fight, it's just fists, you get involved and then it's done. For others, that's not the way it works if you cross a certain line, if you cross a certain border, you may often pay a price for it. So long story short, when the party was done, those people followed my guys home, went into their university accommodation with knives, bats, everything, robbed them, took all of their TVs, their clothes, everything that they owned, I mean, to the point where they even drain their bank accounts, tell them to go and cash out money from the ATM. I mean, one of my guys who was really close to me, we even played for the same football team, he was so distraught mentally that he dropped out of uni completely. I mean, I literally saw him for freshers week and I never saw him again. till today, he's never returned to university. Why? Because he got lost in the crowd. You know, there was another incident that happened on my road um, when I was in second year. I remember I wasn't at this party because I went to some girl's house and I was coming back from my house in the morning and as I got back, but the whole road was taped off. Big bully vans, police, everything. I was thinking, what's going on? Police have redirected me. Like, no, you need to go around to, to get into your house. So when I get into the house, I ask the people I live with that, like, yo, why is the road taped off? Like, has there been a car accident or something? They're like, nah. Someone got killed on the road yesterday, bro. So what do you mean killed? They're like, yeah, someone got stabbed. Like, they got stabbed to death. Like, he was a uni student. He's dead now, bro. Like, well, you're not at the motive. I said, bro, I went to go and see so and so. I was not at the motive. What happened? Turns out. All at a party, normal people, normal university students, one person steps on another person's shoes, all of a sudden, it starts to intensify. People are now getting aggravated. People are now getting frustrated and then a fight spills out onto the streets and then someone is killed and someone dies. I mean, there have been so many incidents like this at university. Someone stepped on someone's shoes, someone's talking to someone's girl, someone's offended someone, someone's getting carried away. And the the majority of the time, 99% of the time, it's because people are following the crowd. People are influenced by complete strangers. Be yourself when you go to university. Be yourself. Do not get lost in the crowd. Do not get lost in your environment. Do not feel that. You need to prove a point. Do not feel like you need to act a certain way in, term, in terms of girls or because girls are around, especially for the man. P- I mean, what does it profit a man? <laughs> to gain the world but to lose his soul. All those people that have died right now, that I could list you, I could tell you their full names, government names, you could go check them on BBC. All those people that have died because of petty confrontations, all those people that have lost their lives because they're wanting to prove something, it didn't profit them anything. And you may feel like, oh yeah, I'm going to uni, it's just going to be me studying, have a good time, everyone's a good youth from ends, I can come and I can act up, but that's unfortunately not the case. So that's the first piece of advice, I'll say, be yourself and don't follow the crowd. Second piece of advice I'll give to anybody is for you to find yourself a good church. I cannot underestimate the value of having a good church. And you see, for me, it even seems hypocritical giving this advice, because when I first came to uni, who's trying to hear about church, bro? Who is trying to hear about church? The only time I went to church in my first year of uni is when my uni wife took me to church. I mean, this was my uni wife that lived two floors above me. She'll cook me J-Rice, cook me nice food, sleep with me. And one Sunday morning, she said, I feel like we should go to church today. And i said, why not, babes? Let's go to church. And that was the only time I went to church. And after they tried to call me and say, hey, come back to the church, blah, blah, blah. And I said, I'll never come to your church again. So traditionally speaking, going into first year, nobody's trying to find a good church. But what you don't understand is that the church provides you with a family. The family of God or the church of God is actually the body of Christ. And what you'll find inside of a church is all the important people for your life. I remember when I was doing my master's, right? You know, I was, I was struggling. I had to repeat the year. I had deferred so many exams. I had resets to do. I mean, for those of you that have seen my testimony film about how God saved me and my master's degree, you will know that I went through it during that year. And friends, I found myself being in a real struggle because at a certain point, I had nowhere to live. You know, when your tenancy ends, let's say June, for example, but you've got exams in August, you've got retakes in September, where exactly are you going to stay? What exactly are you going to do? There's nobody offering a three-month short-term tenancy. And going back to ENDS, for me, wasn't an option at the time. It was people from the church that took me in. It wasn't my flipping friends that man was doing videos with and, and getting waved with and smoking weed with. It was people that had the love of God inside of them that were able to extend that love to me to take me and give me a place to stay, cook for me, I mean, provide for me. There was times where when I first got saved and I started dropping out certain opportunities, I was dead broke on my face. I didn't have no peas. I had deals with MTV that I let go of, deals with Nike that fell through because nobody's really trying to hear the gospel in a corporate sector. So at a certain point, there was nothing available for me but it was the family that God gave me through his church that has looked after me and has looked after me till today. So I would say, find yourself a good church. You know, pride is the reason why people will not go to church. Let's even put, I mean, you can't put God aside, but let's just park it. Let's talk about pride. You see, pride is something that is innate within every single human being. The Bible calls it the pride of life, meaning that, You don't need to have anything to be proud you don't need to have a car you don't need to have a million pounds you don't need to have five degrees all you have to do is be alive and you will be proud and you see what you don't realize friends is that that pride is the very reason why you'll be disconnected from the source of blessing because you tell yourself that i don't need anybody i can do things by myself And that's the problem we have today. And that's the reason why many young people don't want to go to church. They don't want to go to church because they say that I can do this God thing by myself in my room. I can do my online message. I can go on YouTube. I can do whatever. But God has a family for you and God is going to provide every source of blessing for your life through the family of God that he provides you. If you look at the scriptures, Laban said to Jacob that I can see that God has blessed you for my sakes, which is that every source of blessing I've received has come from you, Jacob. And me personally, me neki for there are people that i can point to and i can say one million percent if i didn't know this person i would not be blessed today i mean right now for example i'm on a phd full scholarship with bursary by the grace of god that is not only school fees paid that is me getting paid to study for duration of three years that's basically like a contract <laughs> that's like a football contract <laughs> people sign a three-year deal people sign a four-year deal people sign a five-year deal that's guaranteed payment for the next couple of years how did i get that I got that because my pastor did a PhD and showed me the ropes and showed me how to pattern a bursary and showed me how to pattern a scholarship. You see, God institutes people in your life that will be a source of blessing for you. When you despise them and when you despise the church of God, you're despising your blessing. So I would encourage everybody, find a good church and sort yourself out. And then the final thing I would say is, understand why you came to university. I mean, obviously God had a plan for me when I came to uni that I would have this platform, i would share the word, etc. But the primary reason for me going to university was academia. There was no way in this life I could go home and tell my parents that I've dropped out of uni. There was no way in my, this life I could go and tell my parents that I got a third class. There's no way I could go and tell my parents that, oh, I flopped, I'm not going back because it is an expensive process and you've gone to get a degree. And this is something many people forget in the journey. They get lost in parties, they get lost in motives, they get lost in girls, and it comes down to exam time and they are sweating. They are absolutely sweating because they know that it's long and they know that they flopped and they know that they don't know how to explain it to their parents. Yeah. So remember why you're there and remember that you're there for the purpose of academics. And honestly speaking, academics or studying generally is an art and is a skill that you have to develop. When you're at university, it's not gonna be you studying 24, seven, three, six, five. That's not practical, but it's going to be you dealing with your assignments, your coursework and your exams with a level of seriousness that will allow you to pass. Yeah, Even though when I was in undergrad, I was a bit of a joker. I still got a two-one. So what are you telling me? (laughs) And not only did I get a two-one, I used support of friends on my course who are more intelligent than me to help me with coursework, to help me with my dissertation and to help me progress. So you also needed a level of humility if you're going to do well in your studies. Yeah, When I went on to do my master's, I struggled in my first year. I deferred. I had resets. I had so many different things. But I had to persevere because I have signed up for the degree. A master's in this country is (laughs) £10,600. Where's that money coming? From even if you've got student loan, you've got to pay it back. So remember that you're not there just to have some freedom from your parents. You're actually there on a purpose. And I can see the difference now between people who actually took uni seriously and people who didn't. I mean, people who took uni seriously, I can see them working in the corporate sector. I have friends that are in um, Goldman Sachs. I have friends that have gone on and gotten scholarships. I have friends that have gone on to do many different great things. But then I've also seen people who, through to a lack of concentration in university, they're Working in retail, they're doing so many different things that they don't want to do. It's not that there's anything bad with those things, but that's not the reason why they went to university. I was working in retail from when I was in sixth form, so you don't need a degree to work in retail. So the purpose of university is academics, and I'd encourage everybody to focus on that purpose. So those are the three pieces of advice I'll give to anybody that is going to uni from September. Somebody asked me, when you take advantage of asking God for forgiveness, does he stop forgiving you? That is a fantastic question. Honestly speaking, no, he doesn't. The Bible says in First John chapter 1, from verse 7, that if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we'll have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ will cleanse us from all sin. The Bible says, if we confess our sins, he is just and faithful to forgive us. So you realize, friends, that God doesn't ever stop forgiving you. The Bible says his mercies are new every morning. But what if, one thing you have to realize is that the depth of understanding that you have is what will determine the experience you have in God. You see, when you relate with God on a basis of forgiveness, you're forgetting that God is not mocked. So have you ever been in a situation where you've done something wrong? Your parents are fuming. I mean, I remember there was a time where I was play fighting with my brother and I had these pointy black shoes on and we were going to a wedding and I've accidentally kicked this guy in the eyes like on Paul skulls. I mean, this guy is screaming and crying. Now, there's sometimes in a house, yeah, you don't even need to be said, like nothing has to be said by parents. The instant response is, run so what did I do I started running down the stairs and my dad bursts out of his room and starts chasing me and as my dad chases me down the stairs I'm running into the kitchen and I trip on the step leading into the kitchen and my dad boots me with his right foot into my belly boom jumps on me and starts giving me licks shouting and screaming now I remember after he felt a little bit bad that he's beating me to that extent and honestly Growing up at certain points, I wanted to leave the home and just go live in the streets, but that's that's a story for another day. But he felt a little bit bad, and, you know, I remember speaking to him and saying, oh, Daddy, you know, now that I, this has happened, I've been punished, blah, 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 can I go and do this? Can I go and party? Can I go to my friend's house? Can I go and do A, B, and C? And, you see, the answer was always no. You see, although he felt bad for the the way that he punished me. And although he had forgiven me for the thing that I did wrong, you notice that the punishment was still continuing. And so it is when it comes to forgiveness with God. You may be forgiven all right, but God still has to punish you. If he doesn't punish you, he's not fair and he's not just. So what you realize friends is that many of us will try and abuse God's grace. We'll say that, oh I'll just ask for forgiveness and then you know, pray about it. And when I feel God's presence, that means all is well and done. No, 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 no. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. So you could have been forgiven. I mean, Christ forgave you on Calvary on the cross already. But what you need to understand on a deeper level is that despite the forgiveness there is still punishment. The Bible says by judgment the king established is the land so you can't get away with oh yeah all is forgiven all is done and now i'm moving on no no no. the punishment will still come on that's what many of us don't realize that's what many of us don't appreciate that's why in our head all it is is about forgiveness it's not just about forgiveness In the realm of the spirit, it's not just about forgiveness. You must understand that there are laws and there are principles. And if you provoke certain principles, you provoke certain laws, you can even lose your life. So I would say, yes, he does forgive and his love is forgiving and he is a forgiving God, but punishment at a certain point will always come on. All right, next question. Somebody asked me, do you feel worn out from serving? And is that normal? You know, that's a fantastic question. And to answer your question, I'm going to share a scripture with you. And the scripture I'm going to share with you is 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1. The Bible says, Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not. You see, what the Bible is saying here is that if you call yourself a servant of God, or if you have the chance to work for God in any capacity, in any shape or any form, the only reason you have that opportunity is because you yourself have received mercy from God. And because you've received mercy, the Bible says that you should not faint. You see, when you think about it, nobody qualifies. Nobody is good enough. Nobody is worthy. When I think about my life and all of the things that I've done, this same mouth that I'm using to preach, the things I've done with this mouth, the things I've done with my tongue, (laughs) the things (laughs) that... The things! (laughs) uh, You must understand that I'm not worthy to be sat in this position and to be sharing anything or to be quoting scriptures or to be talking about anything to do with God. So because I'm not worthy and because I've received mercy, it means that I am not supposed to faint. Yes, the Bible says that even the youth shall grow weary... But the remedy for that is going to wait on God to renew your strength. So I would encourage you, friend, that if you're finding yourself weary of serving and tired of serving, go and take some time to wait on God and come back strengthened. Because remember, none of us are qualified to serve him in the first place. Okay, I'm going to take a few more questions. How do you think the church you're attending has helped with your walk with God? Great question. Well, I go to First Love Church and there's a number of ways that my church has helped me. Um, I would say primarily through the messages that are available for me to listen to. Um, the Bible says in Romans 10, 17, that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And my pastor, Bishop Daggyon has made Thousands of messages available on the podcast app and on YouTube for me to listen to, for me to be strengthened in my faith. In fact, before I even got established in the church, the Lord had connected me to this man and his ministry. Um, and I mean, I would be driving around town. I remember I was doing some job that I think it was the summer I got saved. It required me to drive around a lot. And bro, I would be in my car playing Fredo, flipping gigs. I mean... I can't remember if I was smoking in the car or not, but I know my girl would come on some of the trips and me, she'll be giving me head whilst I'm driving. like I'll park up in the car park, have sex if I had them, continue with my job. My manager is thinking, where's this guy? Like, heck, why has he not come back already? But I was doing other things, innit? But at certain points whilst I'm driving, I would feel something tell me that, oh, press play on some of Bishop Dagg's messages. And I'm thinking... I don't even really know who this man is. Like why why should I press play? But when I would press play, my God, my God, the presence of God would fill that car. I'd be filled with understanding, revelation, light. I mean, even as a sinner, even as a baby Christian, you know, the Bible says that God will give us pastors and shepherds according to his own heart to feed us with knowledge and understanding. And that's what I was receiving. And I was finding joy in God. You see, people don't do things that they don't enjoy. Let's be honest. People sometimes look at me and think about, oh, why do you always talk about God? Or why do you always this is that? You see, that's my life and that's what I derive joy from. If I had something else that was making me happy and that was giving me joy, that's what I'd be doing and that's what I'd be talking about. But this is what I'm talking about God because He is the joy of my heart. And what I find is that when I was listening to those messages, that is what was giving me joy. That was giving me a new life. It was giving me a new taste of Christ. And many people, they don't want God. They're not interested in God because church is dead to them. (laughs) The priest, pastor, whatever, shares a little homily, everyone says, Amen. They go for some little baby's confirmation, some little baptism, and then they go home for Sunday roast, and that's it. That is dead, powerless, lifeless, and has no joy and no hope. But being connected to the podcast and being connected to the messages showed me a side of Christianity that I'd never seen before, and it exposed me to the power of God and to the joy of the Holy Ghost. So that's how I've been helped in my church. I've been helped through the books. I mean, my pastor has published over 40 million books. And is Africa's largest selling author of Christian literature. So from that perspective, I'm edified and I'm fed books such as How You Can Become a Strong Christian, books such as Working for God or What It Means to Become a Shepherd. I mean, so many different books that have blessed me and teach me and help me to grow in my Christian life. And then further to that, I would say the opportunities to serve in my church. Again, my church is not just about some big shot standing at the front talking. The church is about the members being involved and doing the work of God in the body of Christ. So there are different opportunities. There's dancing, there's singing, there's film stars, there's acting. There's so many different things that young people can get involved with, which when I first came to church, I mean, it made it very entertaining for me. I remember a testimony of somebody... um, who got saved in my church as well. She almost died at Notting Hill Carnival 2018 from alcohol overdose. You know, some people, yeah, when it comes to yak, they're just, especially the brown one. I don't know what it is about brown alcohol, but the way some people sip that, you think it's coke inside that drink, bro. They'll do a whole bottle of Hennessy and the head is gone. But that's basically what she did. And she had to be, um, I think they pumped her with a defibrillator and a pump in an ambulance and she almost lost her life. But shortly after, she came to church And she explained that in her testimony that, fam, she didn't have a clue what the pastor was saying and she wasn't even listening too tough. The only thing that kept her coming back to church was the ministration of the dancing. And you see now, your mind has already gone into religious mode. When I'm saying dancing, you're thinking, oh, some ballet or some contemporary Mozart. No, I'm talking street dance, proper dancing, like dancing that you'd be entertained by and in a way that you would like. And you see, that's what kept her going for so long. And then at a point, she began to receive the word of God. So you'll notice that in the church, I mean, there are different means and different mediators or different routes for us receiving Christ, receiving His word, and receiving salvation. And that's why it's been a blessing to me. And then finally, I'll also say fellowship. I mean, I'm part of a church that is global. You know, so many people talk on to, uh, whatever, whatever. I mean, people spoke about Jesus and He was perfect. So I don't know what they want from us. But I'm part of a church that has, is part of a family of over 600,000 members in over 100 countries. If I go to Jamaica today, I have the exact branch of my church and a the family there ready to receive me. I went to Ghana for a wedding, a family there ready to receive me. I can go to London today. I'm in Leicester at the moment. I can go to London. There's a family there to receive me. Like I'm talking my actual family because what you have to remember about the family of Christ is that... If my biological blood is what connects me to my biological brother, it's the blood of Jesus that connects me to all of my brothers and sisters in Christ. Which blood is stronger, the blood of my dad or the blood of Jesus? So the connection is real and the love is real and the family is there. So that's how my church has helped me in many different ways. Somebody asked, am I ever scared of growing older? I wouldn't say I'm scared of growing older. The reason I wouldn't say I'm scared of growing older is because throughout my life i've seen god's faithfulness like the life i have now and the life i live compared to me as a little boy me at seven years old me at 15 me at 21 i'm 26 now like the life i've lived has been from glory to glory to glory my life has improved my life has gotten better And God has never been less than faithful in my life. I mean, I come from a background of good parents. I was sent to private school from year 7 to 11. The cost of my school fees (laughs) per year is £10,000. I mean, I've not come from a gutter. God purposely gave me the parents and the upbringing that I have and the foundation that I have in life. And even from that starting point, I mean, traveling to countries every single year. I cannot remember a year of my life where I've not been on holiday. I've been to Dubai like three times. Abu Dhabi. I mean, these are just my life. And I'm not talking Dubai holiday with the man that I've flipping, gone and paid for and gone in Giuseppe's. I'm talking my parents have put me on a plane (laughs) and taken me. I've had a good life. Very early on, my parents even moved me out of London, they moved me to Hertfordshire (laughs) because they just wanted everything to be better for us. I'm blessed. And when I look at that stage of life, then I look at me growing up, coming to university, not knowing my left from my right, God giving me a platform and a reach to people all over the world. Through this platform, I've traveled to Germany, I've traveled to Ireland, I've traveled to Ghana, people pay for my flights, I mean, pay for my hotel. When I arrived in Germany to share my testimony at a conference, I landed, there was a new shaped Mercedes ready to pick me up, scooped me straight to my hotel. They told me, listen, you can either stay here and rest, or we can take you around and we can take you shopping and we can buy you things, what do you want to do? I said, let's go, (laughs) took me to the shopping mall, bought me food, bought me so many different things, took me back after I shared my testimony, packed a fat offering in euros, said, thanks for coming. And yo, you can go back now. I mean, I've been blessed. There's nothing in this life that I lack. Even now, 26 years old, you see the Bible says, if anyone should boast, they should boast in God. That's That's I'm not, say, that's, I'm not saying these things to brag, but who, can, who at 26 years old can say that they have an undergraduate de- degree in criminology a master's degree in law, been to law school on a full scholarship and bursary on a PhD, saved and overseeing a fellowship, sharing the word of God with people, seeing people's lives transformed daily, fulfilled with a purpose found in the Holy Spirit. I mean, has a worldwide family that if tomorrow I'm going to Sierra Leone, I can pick up a phone and call and be received. I mean, has a platform with a reach of hundreds of thousands, how many people at 26 years old, it's not like I'm 52, (laughs) at 26 years old can say this. So when you talk about am I scared to grow older, I'm scared of what God's even going to do because (laughs) how much more is he going to even perform? And I'm talking scared in a good way. I'm excited that I've seen your goodness from when I was born. And 26 years old, you've never, ever been less than faithful to me. So for me, it's not not about fear. It's about excitement. And ultimately, this, this world is not my home when all is said and done there's somewhere that I can't even imagine what it looks like that I'll be going to. So there's nothing like fear. Next question, and I think this may be the second to last question. Somebody said, can you explain the Trinity? I can explain the Trinity. And many people have this problem when they're trying to understand Christianity that how can God have a son? <laughs> and how can God um, be three? Well, you are three. I'll start with that. You are a spirit being. You have a soul and you live in a body. Your spirit is the real you created in the image of God. Your soul is your mind, your emotions, your intellect, your reasoning. That's why you've got soul music, soul food. It appeals to, it gives you a good feeling. <laughs> and then you have your body, which will go to the ground and after some years will turn into dust. So you are three, let's start with that. And let's also start with the concept that three is the number for completion. That's why you have morning, afternoon, evening. That's why you'll notice that in this world, you would, not in this world, sorry, in Jesus Christ's life, he lived for 33 years. And when he did his ministry, his ministry was only for three years. And you'll notice that he rose from the grave after three days, because the number three represents completion. It represents a finished work so you and i are three in one this world operates on a system of three morning afternoon evening and then god is also three in one god the father that is god so loved the world he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but shall have everlasting life god the son the bible says in the beginning was the word, John 1.1, 1, 1, and the word was with God, and the word was God. That is the manifestation of God as a savior. <laughs> that is the manifestation of God as a lover. You see, me as a man, I can relate to my girl, my beloved, different to how I will relate to my cousin. When I'm a father, I'll relate to my child differently than I'll relate to my wife. And you see, it's still Nehi, it's still the same me, but everybody gets a different experience of me. And it's the same with God the Father, God the Son, and then finally, His Spirit. There is a different experience of each element of the Godhead and His nature. All one God but they manifest themselves in three forms. And they manifest themselves in three forms so that you can relate with all aspects of them. Yeah. God could have enclosed himself as one and said, Father, Son, Spirit, we're staying enclosed. But no, he released it to the world so that you could have a deeper relationship with him. You could know the Father, you could know the Son who's the Lamb of God, and you could know the Spirit who dwells within you and gives you a new life. You see, for me... My children are never going to see sides of me that my wife is gonna see, and rightly so. But God, in his infinite wisdom, wanted all of him to be revealed to his people, and that's why the three elements of his nature have been manifest in the Father, Son, and the Spirit. So that's the Trinity, and whenever you feel confused about how God can have a son, <laughs> remember that you are also three in one, so stop being confused. And I'll take the final question, Today Somebody asked me What's the best way That Christians can handle Persecution I think You have to understand that (sighs) Nobody is greater than God If they killed Jesus I mean if you're a Christian Whether you're a serious one or not You believe that at a foundational level (laughs) Um if you're, even if you're not born again, even when, I didn't even have to be born again to understand that there's somebody who's died for my sins. If you believe that at a fundamental level and you understand that he was perfect, the question I'll pose is that, what experience from life are you expecting if you claim to be his follower? Um, I don't know of any other religion whose leader was put on a cross and murdered. So from that perspective, you realize that I'm not greater than God. Meaning that when you do find yourself being criticized, when you do find yourself being persecuted, when you do find people getting onto you about your position in the faith, all you have to do is remember that they killed my savior and they killed my master. And because I'm not greater than him, this is the least to be expected. That expectation, it keeps you calm. Otherwise, you'll be very dazed and very rattled that what's all of this? I remember when I first shifted my content over and I started talking more about God and my platform and all of these things, people would say, what, so you're holier than Downer? People would say, "Ra, is this what you're on? I, I mean, people are actually quite specific. They would actually say, no, but weren't you at this accommodation at this time, beating this girl? <laughs> I'm thinking, yo, do people have a GPS on my behavior? You know, I remember there was a period of time where um, I just shared my testimony And I went to a party with my brethren and, you know, I didn't think anything was wrong with parties, bro. I was just a baby Christian. And honestly, I just wanted to smoke. So I brought out some Rizla, started grinding it in the motive, billing it, packed it, sparked it. The next day on Snapchat, my God, so many people. (laughs) I mean, hundreds of people mentioning me, adding me that, what is that you? Ra, is this what you're on? I swear down you're a preacher. And it's like, I don't even know if I could call that persecution or just people talking. But either way, it's to be expected because the one who was perfect was murdered. So how much more us fallen human beings, when you set that expectation for yourself, it really calms you down. I remember there was one time where somebody was criticizing me and I felt very hurt. And I felt the Holy Spirit tell me that you are proud. I was thinking, are you telling me that I'm proud? Somebody has offended me. Somebody is violating me. (laughs) I am now responding to that emotionally. And you're saying that I'm proud. And the Lord gave me that scripture, that the servant is not greater than his master. The fact that you think you're going to go through this life and not even have a percentage of how they treated the perfect son of God, it shows that you feel that you're even greater than God himself. (laughs) If the person who came down from heaven came to this earth was rejected and despised and you who was born of a woman regular come from a man and a woman and you feel that you're not going to get a percentage of that treatment and that you everybody would love you and everybody wouldn't nobody would have anything bad to say and nobody will criticize you it shows that you are a very proud blind and silly person and when he broke it down to me like that I think I started to care less I really started to care less about people's opinion. I really started to care less about what people had to say. And I think it's probably a point where this podcast was even birthed because, you know, before this podcast, I was quiet for months. I, I determined within myself that, listen, all of you man can go to hell if you want to go to hell. Like, I don't give a toss. I'm saved. I'm born again. If you don't understand or if you don't care to understand my journey, then stand in that corner and do whatever you're doing, but it's not me that's going to come and talk to you guys anymore, That's that was the state of my heart for a long period of time, but when God began to deal with me about my pride and the fact that you are not greater than God, I just started to say, my bro, it is what it is, like people are going to talk anyways, <laughs> the one who's perfect, they killed him, so how much more can I expect, and that's why I've come on to share my truth, you know, there's so many times where I can get into my own head about how I'm doing things, my performance, what people think of me, and So many different things, but I'm not God. (laughs) If God was killed, how much more me? So I would say that to any believer when it comes to persecution. Expect it because they did it to the Lord. You are not greater than him. Calm down. It's not that deep. Even if you weren't talking about God and you were just talking was, people will still have something to say. Focus on your own life. Do what God's asked you to do make your money, provide for your family, and be blessed. And on that note, guys, that was another episode of the Unashamed podcast. Till next time, take care.